everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Comics Verse podcast. I'm your host, Chase. This is a, another creator-owned spotlight. We're going to be talking about a book that's dropping this week. It's part of the Skybound Comet line, young adult uh, content. It's a great, great book, and I'm uh, lucky enough to have the writer, Marigrid Scott, joining me today. Marigrid, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for uh, sending over a preview copy. Uh, we've had uh, a few others of your, your colleagues that are doing these uh, comet books uh, join us to talk about them. It's such a, a great line, like really consistent in terms of quality and interesting stories and, and very diverse. So why don't we start off by you giving us an elevator pitch, let everybody know what Sea Serpent's Air is all about. Yeah, so Sea Serpent's Air is sort of a, my twist on that classic Disney story where a young girl's in like a know-nothing village sits on a rock and wishes that she could go on a magical adventure. Um, and our story, um, Ayala, our young girl, wishes that she could leave her podunk town and be something special and then discovers that she is a, a reincarnation of an ancient sea serpent that's supposed to destroy the world. Um, and so we get uh, to meet a knight in shiny armor who has, of course, been sent there to murder her. Um, we get to go on a crazy road trip with her family. Turns out everyone in her village are actually the world's most um, lethal pirates, most feared pirate gang in all the world. Um, and it becomes a really wonderful story about um, what to do when perfect is off the table. <laughs> what do you do when you get what you wanted in the worst kind of way and you've got to just sort of muddle through it? Yeah, certainly uh, a be careful what you wish for kind of story because, uh, yeah, wild adventures and, and a really emotional story as well. So before we start talking a little bit, and again, everybody we won't spoil, we're going to be a little vague because we want you to go out there and, and pick this up for yourself. But we'll talk a little bit about the themes some of the broader strokes of the story. But before we get into that, uh, I wonder if you could give us a recap of how you got involved. Like, did, did Skybound approach you? Was this a story that that they might have had an idea for or something that you've been working on? Like, uh, give us a little bit of background on how the project came about. Yeah. Um, so I was at a writing summit with a bunch of other lady comic book writers, and uh, I had a meeting uh, with John Moison at Skybound to pitch some ideas. And I had recently become um, pregnant with my son, my first child. And I'd been noodling kind of with this idea because I just had a lot of thoughts about like, you know, like I was going to be like become a mother and like, what does that mean? You know, and like kind of those labels that we put on, on things and what you're supposed to do. Um, and so I'd been noodling with this idea and which is a, there's a lot of like mother daughter elements here, but from the daughter's point of view um, and it was the last pitch. It was the one I was sure they wouldn't take. Um, I was like, Hey, I've got this weird, like fantasy pirate pitch. Oh, it's got like some mother daughter themes. Little girl realizes that she's going to destroy the world. Um, and he was there. We're like, yep, that's the one. And I was like, really? That's the one. <laughs> oh, okay. Like, yay. <laughs> I thought for sure they were going to just think I was a weirdo. Um, and then we developed it together. Um, we brought Pablo on board very, pretty early on. Um, and it's just been 
such an organic process, you know, uh, like I don't, I don't think the book could look any other way. And it, it's a gorgeous book and I'm super proud of it. Yeah. And that's Pablo Tunica, the, the artist on the book. And I, I agree with you, like the, his style of line work, it's very kinetic. It's a little sketchy. Um, I feel like really- it's got sort of almost like a Jim Henson, dark crystal kind of vibe, yeah. you know, everyone is like kind of weird looking in like a super cool, interesting way. Um, yeah, there's no, uh, and you've done superhero work before and, and, you know, certainly we love superhero comics and, you know, that has a certain look where everything is sort of clean and bright and it's a, a world you aspire to. And we're talking about pirates here um, and, and a world where things have kind of gone sideways and there's magic and, you know, nothing, there's, there's not a lot of round or softness to the world. This is a world of, of hard edges and uh, giant sea serpents and, you know, dragons and magic and that style um, and the color work that uh, is in the book. Uh, it feels very deliberate. Um, so how much did the, did you and Pablo go back and forth on, on kind of the look of building uh, what you wanted the world to look like? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's funny because early on there's a, there's a character um, who you actually can see on the cover. Nix um, is like a little crab monster. And in the script, he was actually a cat. Mm. It's like pirate ships have cats. Um, and I was talking with Pablo and he's like, uh, what if he was like a one-eyed lobster monster? And I'm like, but he's got to be cute. He's like, oh, he will be. And <laughs> I'm like, I don't think he's going to be cute. And then you meet him and he's adorable. And that's what I learned to just not fight with Pablo about how characters should look. Um, so yeah, we we ended up talking. I We ended up, especially early on, I talked a lot about the world and like we wanted to touch base you know try and pick real coastal communities and, and um and fashion that felt real that felt like it was grounded in in reality um and then just let him go loose and it it ended up just really working out i i really love it because i feel like it's a world where you just feel like you could meet these people. Like you feel like you could know these people, but at the same time, it's so beautiful. And so there is that fantastical element um, that I I really couldn't have done on my own. And I don't know that many other artists could have pulled it off either. Uh, He just did an amazing job. Yeah. I can't, I can't really picture this world without, you know, thinking about Pablo's art and it's right there on the front cover book, book one. So there are plans for two more books. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. We're a three-part trilogy. Yeah. So hopefully Pablo is uh, available to, uh, you know, to continue this journey with you. Cause again, I, I can't imagine um, anybody else on it. Um, and that does uh, bring me to my next question. It was a little bit about story structure. So this, um, this graphic novel is divided into chapters um, and, and we're all f- sort of familiar with, pirate stories and there are some tropes there and you don't lean too far into them but one of the things that is uh, and you've already mentioned it is is how everybody in in the village is sort of part of the crew and you know she doesn't realize it until later um but talk a little bit about developing uh, the story structure because we are sort of dropped right into the middle uh of the story there's not a lot of background or build up uh and then you sort of backfill and we um 
kind of learned the, the history of the world um, and, and the secrets that are being kept right along with the other characters. So um, was that uh, deliberate? Did you want to kind of just drop us right in with without really saying, oh, here's the overview of the world and, you know, gradually get closer like so many books do? Yeah, I've always really admired, like, one of the things I love that I feel like has kind of become frowned upon is, like, you go back and watch OG Star Wars, like, they'll just drop all kinds of random information that is never explained. You know, there's just a line about, like, your dad and I fought in the Clone Wars. Do-do-do. Like, move along. Um, And it makes the world feel real, like... Obi-Wan doesn't need to stop and explain what the Clone Wars are. That's just a thing that we all should know about and it doesn't really affect the story. So we're going along, but it makes the world feel full. And I wanted, especially because, you know, pirates are globetrotters and we're going to get to see a bunch of this world. I want it to feel real and full and to feel like we were on the journey right from the start. Um, And because so much of this book is like uncovering secrets Um, It felt like we could sort of back, we wanted you to be able to essentially discover things about this world along with Ayala because she's been working, she discovers a lot of secrets and a lot of how things work. And a lot of the book is based on her and the the knight in shining armor I mentioned, Bashir, Mm -hmm. who's kind of like her first crush. I I always describe this book as like a family road trip from hell because it's like, you meet this guy, you think he's kind of cute. He tries to kill you. Your mom's going to kill him. Like You're like, no, mom, like you're embarrassing me. You can't kill. And it's like, sorry, kiddo, no hostages. Um, but uh, a lot of this book is sort of this like, clashing of what people believe or know to be true. And um, so it felt really organic to like just get going and have people fight out what is true and what is right and see who wins in the end. Um, yeah. And it's sort of about subverting expectations and even the way you see yourself, right? Like Ayala has an idea when the story starts of, of who she is. And then that kind of gets flipped on its head. Um, and then she's sort of searching to try to find out who she is. And it goes back to what we were saying about, you know, be careful what you wish for. She, she wished to be important. She wished, you know, to have adventure and, and have a exciting life. And then when she finds out, it's actually, you know, way more than she's necessarily ready for. And she's she's sort of having to readjust. And and we see that throughout the story that she's kind of readjusting her idea of, of who she is. And then it, and that's not even close to being resolved by the by the end of this. So in that way, I think it's very sort of reflective. We talk so much about coming of age stories and, you know, people of Viola's age um, kind of trying to find yourself in the world. Um and yeah, as you move through your life and your circumstances change, you sort of have to read. And, that, and that's true regardless of your age, right? Like you get married or you become a mother, like, you know, yourself, you become a parent. And all of a sudden you have a new identity. Is that something that interests you, like kind of exploring that? Because it is so relatable to, to so many readers. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and also I really liked the idea of like, especially a coming of age tale that talked about anger, like in a lot of ways, you know, having an evil sea serpent inside you was kind of my way of of talking about like when you're a teenager and the world feels as dramatic as our book feels. Um, Like, I feel like our book, we needed the fantasy, we needed the pirates to like up the stakes enough to feel how high stakes being a teenager feels every day. 
Um, but I feel like I remember as a kid really struggling with anger and like, does that make you a bad person? And how do you sort of deal? You have all these huge feelings and drives that you really don't have that much of a handle on. Um, and there's so much pressure to like be a thing and pick a thing that you are, you know, you're this thing. That's it. That's your label. That's where you're going. Um, and so I always sort of get stuck with like the world's worst label. Um, and she's trying to sort of wrestle with how much of this sea serpent's ear, how much of it is a part of her? How much should she accept of it? You know, how do you live with that label? How do you fight against that label? Um, what do you really want? Because like everyone talks about, you know, I want a big adventure. I want to be rich and powerful. What does that really mean? You know? Um, so yeah, it's, definitely the book isn't done at the end of book one but I think at the very least book one is essentially the story of a girl sort of taking her stand and claiming at least some kind of identity um so I feel like we at least have a, a somewhat satisfying ending even though we are a trilogy oh yeah yeah <laughs> it's it's it, it definitely stands on its own and is a, is a, is a fantastic story um but yeah, I, I mean, I would be lying if I didn't say I finished it and then was like, all right, ready for part two. Ready for the next one, yeah. <laughs> so how far along are you? I mean, do you, do you have the outline for two and three? Are, are they written like, where are we in the in the process of the overall story? So two's almost done and three, we're getting started on. Gotcha. Uh, well, let's talk a little bit uh, uh, about the other cast of characters. Um it's a bit of an ensemble, uh, you know, obviously her mother, um, who's kind of the, the captain and there's a fantastic, we got to talk about the ship, the bastion as well. Um, but talk a little bit about uh, the cast of characters and, and doing character design. Again, was that something you and Pablo had back and forth? Did you have the characters sort of flushed out in your mind of how many there were going to be? Because there is uh, Ayala's mother, who's, who is the, the pirate captain, like I said, but then she has these lieutenants and they all have various skills. Yeah. So, um, Ayala's mother turns out to be Rihanna, the Queen of Mercy, the most feared pirate um, on the Grey Sea. Um, and I had an idea for her crew, and we tried to pick sort of, you know, pirates are kind of globetrotters, so we tried to pick people who felt like they came from different parts of the world, um, even though we're a fictional world. Uh, and so she's got this sort of cast of characters, which I had a lot of ants, so basically Ayala's got a lot of ants who are really invested in her choices in life. Um, <laughs> I think to her great annoyance, um, but we wanted to give this sense of this kind of like, if you come from a big family, there's just this feeling of like constant, vaguely roiling chaos as a kid where like your, your aunts are fighting about you like you're not in the room you know <laughs> and like every all the adults are like making choices for you um and so uh I really it was a lot of fun to write and I, I just really liked that dynamic um and of course every aunt has like a different opinion on what I always should be doing um so it's it's been really 
it was a really neat ride and we wanted to give everyone cool abilities and they are very loosely based on an actual ship's crew. We did not try for realism um, in terms of our magical ship, but um, we wanted to have a lot of fun. Yeah. And it is a, a very interesting crew. And then the other side, we have uh, the church of light who, um, you know, the heart's in the right place, but they're sort of, they look at the world, at least it seemed to me they they look at the world sort of in, in black and white. And, you know, everything is is on one side or the other. And as often is the case and certainly relatable to readers, there's more of a gray area than that. You can't just say these are the rules and it applies in every situation. And uh, it's almost like they have blinders on, you know, they're so um, kind of rigid that they can't see the, the forest for the trees. And so, again, I think it's it speaks a little bit to the time that we're in, right, where everybody's kind of got their opinion and they feel it so strongly to the detriment of, of being close-minded and, and kind of not, you know, listening. So um, was that organization, that church of light, was that something you had early on as well, or did it kind of develop uh, as you were building out Ayala's journey? Yeah. Well, I wanted to have like, obviously, you know, this is a book about rooting, you know, like you're, you're with the ultimate bad guy, like someone who, how can you side with someone who wants to destroy the world? Although Ayala doesn't necessarily want to destroy the world. Um, I think the thing I always found interesting in books about prophecy is how much is the prophecy self-fulfilling? And I think I tried to really highlight that, you know, the church as an institution, although it's literally trying to save the world, they will say that's what they're doing and they firmly believe it essentially the church is forcing their own worst fear to happen and their actions sort of are continuously pushing everyone to continue this awful cycle that no one wants to be in and i think that's sort of the interesting thing is when when you decide a lot of our book is sort of like when you decide what happens when you just decide that some people are disposable or some people are not worth saving anymore you know um who gets to be worthy of that and this is all very vague because i'm trying not to do spoilers um but that is sort of i feel like there's i feel like a lot of times in society there are sort of self-fulfilling prophecies where you know you decide that this is going to be a scary situation so you go in frightened you're all amped up and you make it a scary situation like and i i really kind of wanted it's so especially hard as a teenager when it feels like every grown-up in your life is essentially trying to write your whole future out for you right now while you're just trying to figure yourself out yeah it goes back to what i was saying about you know cookie cutter like that they're going to apply well it was like this last time so it's always going to be like that and that's just not that's just not the case life is more chaotic honestly than that um and more real and so in, in a lot of ways it's like even though they're pirates they sort of have a better handle on reality than the you know this church and again their heart's in the right place they certainly want to do the right thing um but they're just wrong they just seem wrong-minded about it um and, and then they you know, like almost, almost anything, uh, when you're told one, and certainly we see this in society now, you're told one thing, automatically you just rebel against it, right? Everybody's contrarian these days. So it's a, it's an interesting uh, kind of framework for, for the story. I don't know for teenagers if it's these days. I think teenagers are kind That's of just true. contrarian 
by nature. By nature, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's like teenagers and That's toddlers, what you're trying right? To do is you're trying to like figure out who you are, and your parents and your family who knew you all the time as a kid, you're trying to become an adult, you know. Well, it it's teenagers and toddlers. You're trying to just figure the world out and establish your boundaries and figure out the way things work, right? And you're going to keep pushing on on that to sort of see where the find out where the line is. Um, I think that's something that's that's universal. And I think Ayel is discovering that her line, her world is much bigger uh, because of these powers, because of this, you know, uh, monster inside her. It's much bigger than she ever imagined. So it goes back once again to hey, be careful what you wish for. You just might get it. Yep. Uh, now, I have to ask you about this. Uh, well, possible influences in, in the story, and one in particular, because I'm a huge fan of the cartoon Pirates of Dark Water back from the 90s. So anytime anything pirate related, I always have to, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm, I'm doing a little bit of a, a comparison. Uh, and this is fantastic, and the world feels really big and realized, just like it did in that. Uh, cartoon. So was there any influence? Are you familiar with that cartoon? And what are some of the other influences that you brought to the story? No, I'm not familiar with that cartoon. That sounds so cool, though. I'm always because I my day job is an animation, um, hence the logos. Um, but I've always thought that like pirates are so that's so, such a challenge to animate. I'm surprised there even is a pirate cartoon for kids. Like, that's really cool. Yeah, you definitely should look it up. There's some episodes on YouTube. Uh, fortunately, it, it kind of it was one of those things where they created it to sell toys and it didn't really hit. The toys didn't sell well and it kind of came and went really, really quickly, but definitely worth a watch. Uh, it's, it's fantastic. So, uh, well, if not familiar with that, what are um, some of these uh, some of the other influences? Um, is there anything in particular or is this one of these things where it just kind of you know, yeah, was... sprung from your imagination directly? I was trying to, um, you know, I uh, definitely we read Treasure Island. I'd been a huge fan of Black Sails um, when it was going. And uh, there's a little bit of Game of Thrones in there, although with fantasy, what isn't influenced by Game of Thrones, at least somewhat nowadays. Um, I really liked... Um, I really like the historical aspects. I mean, tried to sort of look at aspects of maritime culture, you know, and especially in the art, because I really wanted, it's, it's always been so fascinating to me how like most of human history, the highways are the seas, you know, mm -hmm. and that's how we experience the world and that's how our world got bigger. Um, so I thought that was really neat. Um, there's definitely a strong Jim Henson vibe. I'm not going to deny it. Um, but I've also been a big fan of like the sort of YA, like Tamora Pierce or Dinotopia or like all those great, like, and that, uh, you know, they did a YA series in Dinotopia, but all those like great, like you discover a whole magical world as like a teenager. I just love those. I, Cause I, you always sit there and you feel like you could just, imagine yourself for hours exploring that world um as yourself and so we really wanted this feel we wanted this world to feel so big there was a place for everyone in it you know i, I really really worked with pablo to try and 
try and make this world feel like any any kid who picks up this book and any actually we didn't write it to be YA that wasn't our thought process um any adult who picks it up I just want it to be the kind of book that set you off daydreaming about what you would do and where you would go and what this means and yeah just like a little bit of that that love letter to you know to like the old Star Wars movies where you just mentioned the Clone Wars and then you move on and then you think like wow what's behind what's on this planet what's on that planet and just I wanted it to feel big and lush and beautiful and high stakes and I I wanted these characters to feel I wanted these characters to feel as like wonderful and normal and awful and annoying as like your real family and I hope my real family doesn't see this. <laughs> like, there's a lot of actually a lot of there's a lot of elements of like I watched a lot of like family road trip movies, you know. So I feel like there's definitely like some like old school like National Lampoon vacation movies where it's like, oh God, I'm stuck in the car. Please stop embarrassing me. Yeah, you definitely get that that sense. Uh with these characters uh, and, and yeah, go, going back to what you said earlier, they all have their ideas of what Ayala's life, what, what she should be really like, what path she should take and, and how everyone else should, should perceive her. So, uh, but it's clear it's coming from a place of love. So being that they're partially based on, uh, you know, you having a big family and having a lot of aunts and whatnot, I'll put you on the spot. Who's your favorite, who's your favorite character to write? Uh, oh. whether based on one of your own relatives or, or just, you know, with the one that speaks to you most? Well, I will say I'm, I'm, see, now that feels, it's like telling. Um, <laughs> I'm really, I guess I would say the two I'm really partial to is, is our two main aunts are um, Kiana and Zuri. And they have such a great dynamic together um that I saw a lot of times in my family where it's but I love how they're both unimpressed and like we had to make them big you find out all their like secret cool abilities but it's like we had to make them so big and powerful because like literally I was like oh my god I'm secretly a sea serpent that's gonna destroy the world and they're like yeah yeah lots of drama kid like <laughs> so we had to make them big enough that they were like yeah we it's not easy just relax you know and it's like not even that impresses them you know she just cannot get them to like take her seriously as an adult um and I just find that to be was so much fun to write and it was I I just remember like sitting at that kid's table or whatever it's like nothing you said or did with your aunts could convince them you weren't some dumb snot-nosed little kid so being that this is such a, a big story and, and a fully realized world and it's it, it, these characters feel real uh, and, you know, they do have their flaws and as much as they love Ayala, you know, they, they're not the ones to decide. And uh, it, it's just such a big story and such a broad story. And we're only at the beginning here. Are there any events? Are there any story beats? Anything that happens in the first issue here, the first part of the story that you cannot wait for it to be out there in the world and see read a reaction and hear what what uh what people think yeah i don't even i've been trying not to say it because i don't want like um 
I like, I don't want to spoil it because it's so spoilery, but like the final battle, the fact that it felt like we pulled that off is like super cool, that it felt organic, but it's like, oh my gosh, we got that in. Like uh, that and oh, the one other thing I'm really excited for readers is you'll know it when you get there, but there's a reveal that Pablo did of a character design but like he didn't tell me about and it's like amazing it's like such a cool moment like there's a character and like part of their outfit gets removed and like you get a reveal about them and I remember like getting that page and like not expecting them just be like whoa like that's so neat um he just always it's such a delight because it's like I just I just started telling him to like just go just just go like you know where we're going you know what you want to do and he just turn it it's like it ended up being sort of like almost like a like a little surprise in the mail you know each week like a little surprise in my email box like what oh what are we gonna get like how did he design it like how did he figure that out that's so cool yeah it really it really is i mean the art is is fantastic and here's the other thing about pablo's uh, art and and how it looks like we've talked about kind of the big kind of kinetic battles and and how the line work and, and, and everything, but even in the quiet moments, right? Like we're just walking around the village or, you know, uh, I was in, in her boat, like the, the little everyday things, like he pays attention to the detail, you know, how everything's the village, the buildings are made out of stone and they have these dashed roofs and, you know, it's cobblestone uh, paths in between. Like he, he really paid attention and it, it adds to that sense of, this being a fully, a fully realized uh, universe that you guys have created. Yeah, no, definitely. Well, and it's like, you know, going the extra mile, like our, our letter, like letters never get talked enough about, um, but Ariana, she would do all different kinds of fonts for like when people were saying a prophecy or when people are singing versus, you know, when people are just talking and different characters would have like different color coding and, I always give my letters such hard jobs, um, but she pulled it off really well. She she pulled it off beautifully. And, and I think that sort of like integration of everything feeling of a piece really, really helps sell it. So I'm I'm really excited. But yeah, but especially that that clothing reveal, I think is gonna Yeah, that was that was a that right. I know exactly yeah. what moment you're talking about. <laughs> and I went, sorry. oh so it, it kind of took you know you you stay, you take notice. It's, it's so right there. And then you kind of, okay, yeah, I get it. it. makes, it makes perfect sense. Why wouldn't it be like that? You don't think about it until Pablo shows it to you. And then, yeah, you're like, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Well, you mentioned earlier that you've been working on this for, for quite a while. How does it feel like now, now it's here, right? Like as we're recording this, everybody, it's, it's Tuesday. So the book will be out tomorrow. Uh, it's here. Any nervousness i mean isn't there always a little bit of nervousness when you put something out of the world but you got to be excitement too for people to finally read it right i guess god this is gonna sound awful to say but like this book has been going on for so long that now it just sort of feels like mine you know like it's just it is what it is and I'm so glad that I get to have it and I really hope other people like it that's great but like more than any other book it's just like no matter what happens we did it and we made this one little perfect thing you know and I'm I'm I've never really felt exactly that before um so I'm I really would love if it was like a smash success I, I 
I think it's a really great book, um, but it's kind of a special gift as an author to just be like, whatever happens tomorrow, whatever happens next week, I just feel super lucky that it's on my shelf. Like, Yeah, with your, with your name on it. And it's one of those books that I feel like it's timeless um, because a lot of the themes that we've talked about are, are so relatable and will be relatable. Like you were saying, you know, regardless of what era of teenager, they're always contrarian, right? We can all relate to that. And so I, I feel like this thing is so evergreen um, and it's such a great book for families to share, you know, bedtime story, that kind of thing, get, get younger readers interested in reading, interested in uh, how amazing comics are and sequential art and that, that sort of thing. So all that being said, let's, uh, let's make an assumption that this is the smash hit that you hope it is. And you do the oh, first, <laughs> you do the, uh, yes, I, I agree hundred percent. Uh, you do the first three. This world does feel so interesting. Would you do more stories in this world? Uh, Ariel and her her family. Maybe we go and learn about her her mom. Do a prequel. I mean, it's it's so the sky's the limit in this yeah. world. Would you do more in 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 this universe? I'd love to. I think it's it's such a fun universe, and I really want to give her like. Trust me, I. I hate endings where it feels like they didn't really end because wink, wink, we got to keep making money. You know, right. like a, this is a whole story about this girl and it's a messy story and it's a wonderful story. Um, and I'm really proud of it um, as we approach the end. Uh, but yeah, I think this world is super cool and I want to explore it. And I'm really excited. I'm really excited if someday other people get to explore it. Like what are mm. other people's spins on it? You know, I've spent so much of my career writing in IP and like making my own take on, you know, Transformers or Batgirl or, or whatever it is. Um, but I'm just really excited to like, as it creating this new world to like leave little nooks and crannies for other writers to explore and see what they find and who they gravitate towards. So um Go nuts, fan fiction authors. Um. <laughs> yeah, uh, even even the idea of of the church. You know, we mentioned they're they're sort of the the bad. I don't even call them bad guys. You know, they're they're the antagonists. They're the antagonists. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But they're not like you meet Bashir and he's a knight of the church. And he firmly believes in it, and he's a really good dude. You know, it's just really hard to convince someone that even though you are the reincarnation of the sea serpent that's going to destroy the world you don't particularly want to destroy the world. Like you're not really the most reliable source of information. Right. And, and your feared pirate mother is not exactly a great character witness. <laughs> like, so it's not that the church is, it's not that the, the church people, like especially Bashir, you know, are, are wholly evil. It's just, Ayala is, not in a particularly good place to convince them that she's good. Yeah. Well, I, I think this it goes back to the idea that we're all the heroes of our own story. Right. And you, we, you certainly could have told this story from the perspective of Bashir and it would be a little bit different, but it wouldn't change like the fundamental, uh, uh, you know, ideas that are being explored because yeah, he, he is a little younger. He doesn't, he's not jaded, you know? And, and so he does look at Ayala a little bit differently and, and he's certainly on her side. So, I, you know, I find that to be so interesting and I hope that we, we get a little more of Bashir uh, as, as it moves forward. And again, talking about 
being able to explore other things, whether it's you or, or another writer, like telling his story of, okay, where's Bashir at in 20 years after he's got that experience? Does he get jaded? Does he? Oh my God, I'm so excited for you to read that. Right? I'm so excited for you to read the next books. Yeah, no, Bashir. I love writing Bashir. Bashir is great. I feel so bad for Bashir because yeah, he just wants to be a knight in shining armor. He wants to be a knight in shining armor. He wants to do the right and like for the right reasons. Like he wants to kill the bad monster and save the girl. And then he meets a girl who is a bad monster and he just really does not, is not equipped right. to thread that needle. Like and, and he is just kind of constantly being jerked around by different, you know, yeah, he, yeah, it's Bashir, poor Bashir. I'm sorry, Bashir. Yeah. I put him through the ringer. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's this idea, like we were saying, he's got this idea of, of life as kind of this fair, fairy tale story. And it goes back to what you were saying before about life's just way more chaotic than that. You know, it doesn't always fit in the neat little boxes. Um, but again, that's the relatability of Bashir. You know, a lot of us, when we were younger, we just, oh, I'm going to do this in my life. You know, I'm going to graduate high school. I'm going to go to college. I'm going to get this job. I'm going to get married. I'm going to have 2.3, you know, and life is just, that's not the way that it works out. And that's, that's the journey that Bashir's on. He's learning that. You know, I think that's a really interesting way to put it is this isn't really a book about, it seems from the premise, like this is a book about good versus evil. Really, if you like play D&D, this is much more a story about law versus chaos. And that's what I like about like pirate tales, like pirates, like Ayala's ants aren't, super good people <laughs> like they are robbing people and they do kill people like they they're not great moral you know characters um the church also has some blood on its hands but it's mm-hmm. really sort of like you know the, the tipping point is really that like who gets a second chance why do they get a second chance who who gets to be messy you know, and what happens when things get messy um, and how do we try and behave in a moral way when that happens? Yeah. And who, who are the people you can count on when things do get messy? And that, that's the other thing that we that we haven't really touched on. Uh, well, tangentially, we have. But the theme of family and, and who, you know, cares about you and how much, you know, how far you'll go for your, you know, niece, quote unquote, or, or your own daughter. You know, clearly there's some. There's some things to be worked out between Ayala and, and her mother because uh, uh, she did keep so much, you know, from her daughter it, for good reason. You know, she was trying to protect her as so many parents do. But, but you know, when those secrets are revealed, that that's not in the best place. And even as the first book ends, um, Ayala and her mother, you know, there's something that happens. And it mean, will that get resolved? Will it not? I mean, that that's up in the air as well. Yeah, that's sort of the neat thing is you're kind of having in this mother-daughter story, you're kind of having the reverse or like an echo of what's happening in the rest of the book, which is like, as a kid, you always sort of think of your parents as in these idealized terms. Mm-hmm. And Ayala sort of, you know, then Ayala gets to discover that her mom sort of is a living legend, but in a bad way, like in a terrible way. And also now has to try and come to terms with it. So it's not just finding, I guess it's the difference between finding out your mom's superhuman, but then finding out your mom is super just human. 
like just right. super messy and human. And there's like a whole, there's like a little scene where she's just straight up trying to avoid, like Ryan is just straight up trying to avoid talking to her kid about all of this. <laughs> like she's going to hide on a boat where she is. She's like, I don't want to deal with this. Um, so yeah, she's not, she's not a perfect mother. Um, but I guess it's the thing of like what actually makes someone family. Like you said, like does blood make you family? What really makes you family? What, what does love really look like? Um, especially when you kind of suck at life. Yeah, there's a there's a scene between Ayla um, and her mother Rihanna that I, I thought was it was so fun. I, I'm not going to say anything more than that. I'm gonna I'll tell you after because I don't want to spoil. But uh, the artwork that Pablo did it's kind of the montage piece if you know which interaction i'm talking about um and that was that was just really fun too because it shows you know yeah she has kept so many things uh rihanna has kept so many things from ayla and then when she finds out then it's like oh wait a second that's who you are um and it's just it's just so fun so um but margaret it's been so fun talking to you about this uh i'm so excited to read more i recommend this highly everybody again if you have um somebody in your family, a, a younger reader that is interested in, in comics or you want to get interested in comics, it's perfect bedtime story. Uh, and for older readers, it's something that you can just immerse yourself in. Um, it really is for all ages. And the art from Pablo is, is fantastic. So uh, as we're winding up here, why don't you tell everybody uh, where's the best place to follow you and your work online? Um, I'm sure you would like to hear people's reaction to, to the book. Yeah, I really would. I, I I have abandoned social media, um, but you can sign up for my newsletter at mscottwriter.com. Um, and I drop, uh, I drop a newsletter whenever there's something new to see. So um, if you guys want updates and you can contact me through there, um, that is the best place to do it. Great. And I'll put a link to the newsletter in the show notes, everybody. So if you're having trouble finding it, you can just go and, and click there. So uh, again, Margaret, thanks so much for joining me. Best of luck with the book. Uh, can't wait to see people's reactions and, and hear uh, people's reactions and just have this out in the world. Thanks for having me. No, great. Yeah, it's my pleasure. So uh, to you listeners, uh, highly recommended. Go check out Sea Serpent's Air. Uh, as you're listening to this, even the first day that it's released, it is out there in the world. So go and pick it up. Uh, and thanks for joining us as always. We appreciate the support and we'll talk to you next time. You can find the Comic Source Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe, and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com. Or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash the comic source. Do a search for the comic source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening and we'll talk to you next time.